Welcome in everybody to the In My Own Words NFL podcast. I'm your host, Aaron Templin. It is July 26, 2020, season two, episode number two. And if you guys haven't yet, please check out episode number one, where I gave some information and some hot takes on the Black Lives Matter movement in regards to the NFL season in 2020. Got a lot of positive feedback and information on that episode and want to thank everybody for the support of the podcast so far and the Instagram account. Both numbers um, on both accounts are surging upwards. So thank you guys again for the support and continue listening and spreading the word. In episode two today, I'll be discussing in particular why my favorite football team, the Miami Dolphins, can win the AFC East in 2020. This episode spawned primarily from the big Jamal Adams trade from the New York Jets to the Seattle Seahawks, which I'll be discussing later in the episode. But to open it up first, let's just talk about the NFL having a season in 2020. We are officially getting back to football. The NFL finally voting in favor, 29-3, to to proceed with training camp and the 2020 regular season on track. This comes after many players, including Russell Wilson, I believe Byron Jones, actually encouraged a lot of NFL players to use their Twitter account and social media platforms to reach out to the NFL using the hashtag we want to play, which was trending the last couple of days of players expressing their concerns that Commissioner Roger Goodell and the NFL in general were carelessly not putting together a safe plan with training camp right around the corner uh, to protect players um, from COVID-19 during the upcoming season. But the NFL finally released uh, what their plan is going to be. It was approved and voted on, so we are on track to play football in 2020, hopefully the entire season. So going through some of the stuff that's in the plan, there is a player opt-out clause, which is not revocable. If a player decides to opt out of the season, he cannot change his mind at any point during the 2020 campaign season, as well as they will take a uh, financial hit on their salary contract. In fact, Kansas City Chiefs starting right guard, Lauren Tardif, officially opted out of the 2020 season already. So, I mean, this is a big uh, thing to keep an eye on going forward before the season starts. I mean, we have a starting right guard for the defending Super Bowl champions already opting out of the season. I honestly don't think many players will opt out of the season, but it is something to keep an eye on, especially if you're a big fantasy football player, um, if, if some big name talent stars are going to decide to sit out for the safety of themselves and their families. Uh, due, due to the coronavirus pandemic. So we already got one starting right guard who's opted out. I'm sure some players might uh, choose the opt-out option within the next couple of weeks, but I do highly expect most of the NFL players to compete in the 2020 season. One note I like in particular about the plan is that there will be across-the-board accountability for the safety of players. This goes from the players themselves to coaches to personnel, everyone within every single team's organization is going to be held accountable for player safety. That means any club personnel, any players, coaches, etc., will be subject to disciplinary action if they engage in any risky behavior during the season to expose themselves or others to COVID-19. Um, I felt like this rule was put in place particularly for Dak Prescott and Ezekiel Elliott. They will not be allowed to host any house parties during the season. Um, uh, to prevent the spread of COVID-19. So uh, guys like Dak and Zeke, everybody else, personnel, players, if they engage in any risky behavior, 
uh, to put themselves or others at risk for COVID-19. There will be substantial consequences for the entire organization. And this also leads into the fact that uh, for fantasy football owners and just for how it will impact the season in general, if a player does test positive for COVID-19, he will have to sit out a minimum of three weeks. So when you're drafting players or picking teams and make the playoffs, win the Super Bowl, win the division, uh, the COVID-19 really could have a substantial impact on how the season plays out. So the safety of the players and trying to keep everyone healthy for the duration of entirety of the season is of the highest priority. Training camp is supposed to start on time. It will have COVID-19 testing for all the players, staff, coaches, and personnel, and just virtual meetings on day one. There will be virtual meetings on day two, along with more coronavirus testing, and virtual meetings on day four. Players will undergo physicals on days five and six. Days seven to 15 will be strength and conditioning exercises. And day 16 will officially start the first day of practice. And day 21 of training camp will be the first time that um, teams are allowed to have padded practices, practice in pads. So a very well orchestrated, laid out training camp plan. Um, the focus there is obviously the coronavirus testing that the players and coaches and personnel will be taking within the first few days to make sure that they are staying healthy and all the meetings staying virtual for the next, for the first few days. And then where you get into day seven to 15, the strength and conditioning is where it really starts to get a little bit of concern with players being back in the building and around each other again. And then of course, day 16 through 20, getting uh, ready for practice and day 21 being the first padded practice. So a very well laid out training camp procedure. I'm all in favor of it and hopefully, hopefully everything goes well. As far as practice squads, um, they're going to increase to a total of 16 players, but only 80 players will be allowed in training camp at a time this season. And all the financial um, confusion comes down to this, that the 2020 salary cap will stay at $198.2 million, and the 2021 cap, no matter what happens during the season and how finances are affected from the pandemic, NFL has guaranteed that the cap space will go no lower than $175 million. Any potential losses from player contracts, they will get all their guaranteed money over a period of time. Any other financial losses from player contracts from the organization in general, they will that will be made up and that money will be spread out from the 2022, 2023, and 2024 season. So that is the plan from the NFL to get training camp started on time, to get the 2020 season started on time and hopefully play the entirety of the season. Obviously, they canceled the whole preseason. Um, and in regards to that, obviously, I think it's a little bit of a disadvantage for guys trying to make the practice squad, guys trying to make the roster cut. You know, preseason, obviously not that big of a deal for guys who are going to be guaranteed starters. Um, I know a lot of fans aren't really into preseason action, obviously trying to cut down the games from four to maybe like two, but not having any preseason at all this season. I know they talked about just having one game. It is a major disadvantage for players trying to make the roster. And even for rookies, um, you know, Joe Burrow, Tua Tagovailoa, um, other rookie quarterbacks, other rookie uh, wide receivers, running backs at every position would like to get some kind of reps out there to see what they can do in NFL action um, from the rookie standpoint. And then obviously, like I said, players that are on the roster bubble trying to make a statement 
you know, really do take advantage of preseason. So the fact that there will be no preseason in 2020, obviously the safety of the players is the utmost concern, but it does disadvantage a lot of guys heading into the season. So getting into why the Miami Dolphins can win the AFC East in 2020, like I said, this segment spurred primarily based on the big trade from the New York Jets, um, their best player, best defender, best basically the face of the organization, Jamal Adams, has been traded out of New York. He's heading to Seattle, and that's what got me thinking about you know the Miami Dolphins built something a little bit special towards the end of last year. They had a good offseason. Tom Brady's gone. Jamal Adams is gone. So I just revamped looking at what they did, and I came up with a few good reasons why they could actually win the 2020 AFC East division title. It all starts with Coach Brian Flores. I believe General Manager Stephen Ross finally got the right hire with this guy. He has the right morals, values, ethics. He has such great integrity. He holds his players accountable. He is just simply a great leader as a coach. Um, he's demonstrated so much um, um, good at uh, good parts of his personality last season, keeping this team competitive. Competitive. When everyone was talking about how they were supposed to tank, finish like 1-15, maybe not win a single game during the year, they started off roughly, I think it was like 0-7. This guy kept his players engaged. He got them to buy into his message. Obviously, there were some issues with like Mickey Fitzpatrick getting traded to Pittsburgh, and some players didn't want to be in an atmosphere where they felt like they were going to lose every single game. But overall, Coach Flores has these guys buying into his message. He had them playing very hard, especially towards the end of the season. They were in a lot of games in 2019. They um, played well uh, against Pittsburgh, comes to mind, you know, um, that primetime game. They ended up losing, but they, they played competitively in a lot of games, and they finished 5-11, uh, and 11, and I think they could have maybe finished with the seven wins, eight wins if they um, – played an entire 60 minutes of football during during those games they stayed competitive in. But uh, Brian Flores is the right guy. I think he's going to be a, a long-term coach for this football team. Um, and he he, they, he got his guys playing very promising football, 5-4 and four in their final nine games during the 2019 season. Obviously finished up with that big win on the road, taking down the Patriots. That was a huge, huge statement way to end the season for this football team. So I 100% believe that Coach Flores will take that second step in his second season and get these guys ready to go for the long term. Looking at uh, the offense in general, Devontae Parker coming back this year, finally reaching that potential, staying healthy. He had 1,202 receiving yards and nine touchdowns in 2019. This guy was just the face of the offense, absolutely dominant. Um, I expect him to continue his growth this year, crossing my fingers that he stays healthy. Um, his chemistry with Ryan Fitzpatrick should, should continue to grow, and I cannot wait to see what he does when Tua takes over the, the reins of the offense at the quarterback position. I think Tua and Parker is going to be one of the most newest and most dangerous dynamic duos for years to come in the National Football League. And then you get the return of Albert Wilson and Jakeem Grant, two of the speediest receivers in football, not just at wide receiver position, but they're used in the slot, wildcat formations, screen plays, um, special teams. These guys are playmakers. Albert Wilson, you get and Jakeem Grant, you get these guys the ball in with space in front of them. They will turn a two-yard, three-yard catch 
into a 50-yard play. We saw it so many times last season, uh, particularly from Albert Wilson on the offensive side of the ball. Jakeem Grant um, did uh, decently well on the offensive side of the ball, but he made a big statement on the special teams, kickoff returns, punt returns. These guys coming back into the offense with Parker, with Gesicki, with two veteran running backs now. This offense is just more complete this season. And they also have an improved offensive line. I mean, the offensive line has been a absolute struggle for the Miami Dolphins for the last several years, accumulating the most sacks um, of any team in the NFL, especially when Ryan Tannehill was down there. They improved their offensive line across the board, drafting offensive tackle Austin Jackson from USC and guard Robert Hunt in particularly, who has a supreme run block reputation. So that's going to open up a lot of holes for Matt Breda and Jordan Howard. And that's my other point that, you know, they got the trade from San Francisco. They bring in a very talented running back like Matt Breda. They bring in Jordan Howard from Philadelphia and the former Chicago Bear, who is a aggressive runner as well. They finally have a very good dynamic one-two punch duo back there. Two proven running backs that have had success elsewhere coming into Miami. Patrick Lard did what he could last year, but we had no running back last season. You know, you get... Ryan Fitzpatrick, who can play decently well, or if Tua takes over at some point. We got Parker, Wilson, Grant, Gesicki. Um, finally got our receivers laid out, and now we got two really good running backs. Our offense, um, from the core surrounding it, is just so much better this season. I expect those two running backs to shape up Miami's offense and for both those guys to have big years. And then we go to the fact that, obviously, Tom Brady is no longer the Patriots quarterback. He's out. Now, I was a little bit disappointed, obviously, to hear that the New England Patriots are signing Cam Newton. Uh, I mean, don't get me wrong. Cam Newton could very well single-handedly save the franchise from tanking without Tom Brady. I know a lot of skeptics out there thinking that without Brady that the Patriots are going to struggle for years to come. And Cam Newton could be that savior, but he could be a bust as well. And we don't know if Cam is going to start right away. We don't know if he's going to take over at some point during the season, maybe take over in 2021. He's only under a one-year contract. So I would assume he's going to get some playing time to prove himself to potentially be the long-term replacement for Tom Brady. So, uh, But Cam hasn't played football. Um, it took him a while to get signed to a team. I expected him to go much sooner. Disappointed, obviously, that he got put on a good fan franchise like the New England Patriots with a great coach like Bill Belichick. I uh, wouldn't be surprised at all if Bill Belichick can completely rejuvenize Cam Newton and the Patriots just continue their dynasty for years to come. I'm hoping Cam sits the bench for the first few weeks, maybe gets an opportunity. And I do love Cam Newton as a player and as a person, but as a Miami fan, I am hoping he's going to be a bust for the Patriots. But bottom line is... As good as Newton is, he's no Tom Brady. So the quarterback position is slightly weaker no matter what level Cam Newton gets back to. Um, not having Tom Brady for the Patriots gives Miami a huge advantage. And the Patriots roster just in general isn't as impressive. I feel like they've been downgrading a little bit year by year. Sooner or later, the Patriots are going to have to start signing some younger guys, bringing in some better veterans, revamp the whole team a little bit. Their roster on paper just isn't the most impressive and they didn't really play a lot of good football last season as well. And then you look at the New York Jets side. Like I said, Jamal Adams being traded to the Seattle Seahawks for two first-round picks in particular. So you look at the New England Patriots, they lose their best player 
in Tom Brady, their quarterback, their face of the franchise. Now the Jets lose their face of the franchise, their best defender, their best player. Jamal Adams is out of there. That makes navigating the New York Jets defense so much easier, not just for the Dolphins, but for every team in the NFL. Jamal Adams is hands down one of, if not the best defensive players in football, and I think he's going to have a very successful career in Seattle. I think he automatically increases Seattle's Super Bowl odds for next season, but it makes the AFC East so much simpler getting two of the biggest names in football out of there. And I just never was a believer in Adam Gase. He's a toxic poison to the locker room. Obviously, Jamal Adams lashed out, um, berating Adam Gase publicly, saying he was not a good leader to take the Jets to the next level, saying Adam would just never huddle around his guys in the locker room. He would negate addressing them to other coaches and basically just walking out um and obviously adam gaze had this issue in miami too he had a lot of adversity and a lot of rumors surrounding him his relationship with tana hill with jarvis landry so adam gaze does seem to be a problem and just with him coaching and not engaging Le'Veon bell much in the game and just completely relying on his quarterback guru mindset to take sam Darnold to the next level and just his attitude and personality towards this football team, I expect Adam Gase to be fired by the end of this season. And I don't think the New York Jets, especially now losing their best football player, has any shot of doing anything spectacular in 2020. And then obviously Tuga Tagovailoa. Will he play without a preseason this year? I don't know. He says he's ready to go. He says he's healthy. I do believe Ryan Fitzpatrick is going to start the season. I think Fitzpatrick is going to play well. He he has these spurts where he can play really good football. He got this team in really good position last year despite a disastrous roster and a disastrous O-line. Fitzpatrick actually had very good numbers last year. I wouldn't be mad if he, if he played the entirety of the season and we waited until 2021-2022 um, season to get Tua going. Um, but I would like to see if Tua play maybe at least half the season or the last five games or so. Um, but there's so much with this COVID-19 uh, pandemic. We don't know if, if we're going to get through the entirety of the season. We don't know who's going to get infected, all that stuff. And obviously the Dolphins are hoping to have a limited fan base, some organizations not having any fans at all. And fans are such a big part of sports. They, they juice up the players. So, I mean, this is really going to be an interesting season. It's going to be up and ups and downs. I would love to see Tua get in there and play. If he does, I think the Dolphins have an increased shot at winning this division title. But by far, from up to down, roster-wise, paper-wise, where the teams are heading in the AFC East, the Patriots have not lost this division since 2008 when where Tom Brady tore his ACL. But the way things are looking, the Bills, as good as they were last season being a wildcard team and bringing in Stephon Diggs this year, and the Dolphins being the most improved off-season off team this year in the AFC East. The Bills and the Dolphins, to me, seem to be the teams that are trending up, while the Jets and the Patriots seem to be heading to the bottom of the barrel. And if it's not 2020 for the Miami Dolphins, I definitely expect this franchise to do big things in 2021 and beyond. But they're looking really good, and with the losses of their adversaries in the division, I think has only increased the Dolphins' chances at getting that division title in 2020. It could be a dogfight between the Bills and the Dolphins if they just take care of their own business. But I think the Miami Dolphins franchise is finally going to get back to that glory that they have been seeking for years and years and years. 
very, very shortly. I posted a post on Instagram predicting, asking guys um, how many Super Bowl titles and division titles and conference titles you think Tua Tagovailoa will lead Miami to in the next decade, the next 10 years. So check that out. Leave a comment on that. Continue to engage in my post. Leave a follow on Instagram at fins underscore insider. Make sure to hit that follow button on the on Spotify, on the podcast. Listen to my previous episodes and keep an eye out for new ones. Thank you guys for listening in and have a great night.